0: Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness and mindset to the next level.
1: It's time to level up.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have another Q&A on the cards for you today. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. So jumping straight into some questions that slid through in um, my DMs, uh, we thought we we come up with this list and, you know, we love answering the questions. So if you do have them throughout the week, be sure to slide into the Level Up podcast um, DM as well and drop them there so we can get to them because we like to run these Q&As quite frequently. Uh, what number is this? Probably like four, our number Q&A? Four or
0: five now. Yeah, we've done, um, yeah. I think this would be number five. So they're always good fun and we get to interact with people and it's always yeah good fun
1: yeah so jumping into the first one um do you find that your body positivity is higher when you're a little thicker in comparison to being lean and this one's um from ashley so thank you for that one ashley it's It's four h's ashley yeah extension so danny how would you explain i guess your mindset moving from a dieting phase into maintenance or you know even a building season
0: now, this is an interesting question. So body positivity, I'm assuming, you know, it's how you feel about yourself. So we've been through it, different um, body fat percentages, different looks, but it's very much down to your mindset at the time because how you feel about yourself is reflected in your body positivity. Personally, mm, I do feel better when I'm leaner and I'm not going to mm. lie. Um, yeah, I feel better about my physical appearance when i'm leaner but stage lean is yes you look amazing but i'm too tired to even be you know thinking about that um so there's this fine line between when i've put on a little bit of extra body fat versus being stage lean there's that nice sweet spot for me personally but I feel like that is reflected in my mindset at the time, not actually how I'm looking because if I let my habits go a little bit and, and drop my uh, rituals and, and habits that, that I adhere to every day, then that as a consequence will lead to a little bit of weight gain. And I think that's why I feel bad about myself, not because of, Oh, I'm a, I look a bit fuller. It's like, no, Danny, you've kind of dropped the ball here. So for me, it's it's when I'm right on my daily habits and rituals and all of that that equals body positivity for me. Mm.
1: What about yeah, you? Yeah, that's awesome. Like you know, that's really, really, um, really. lot of self-awareness in that by putting Mm. that out there that you feel that way. I think body positivity, you know, all you got to do is search the hashtag on Instagram to know that it's a really buzz thing at the moment. So Mm. body positivity isn't sitting in front of a mirror showing your ab rolls and saying that I am happy. That is not body positivity. Mm. It is about how you feel about yourself. Like regardless of sort of what's in the mirror yeah. obviously our physical appearance is tied to how we feel and our self-worth more often than the time especially in this sport right where you're judged on your physical appearance and you know if you were to argue that you know that's not even just bodybuilding that's the real world i guess mm-hmm. everyone's judged to some point on their physical appearance it's it's 2020 so you know it's social media it's it's out there um in regards to the actual question I don't really, like, of course I feel um, confident in myself when I'm leaner, but like what you said, you feel like shit more often than not when you're approaching that. So I would say I still feel really confident in myself when I am quote unquote thicker, because that's just what I associate as my normal self, mm. you know, whether I'm thicker or not. And it's funny as like, when you get messages being like, Oh, I love how you embrace your thicker self. And I'm like, I don't even think of it like that. I don't yeah. even be like, oh, I'm thicker right now I'm embracing it. I just sort of be, if that makes sense. Like it's mm. just a process sort of thing. So there's a difference between um, like what you said, letting yourself slip, letting yourself go and falling into habits um, that lead to undesirable um, behaviors or outcomes versus being in a controlled surplus or yeah. controlling your calorie intake and feeling in control. Well, I think that's the thing is being like, no, 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 like I'm in a a 10% surplus now because the aim is to grow. It still means that you've got to adhere to those numbers and adhere to your training and apply intensity and overload in those areas as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, very well said. And there's definitely positives with both, whether you're, really lean for stage or you're sort of just being what we consider our norm out and about going for nice meals with friends that makes me feel positive too because I'm social and all of that. So it really depends on how you frame it and and the language within yourself towards yourself.
1: Yeah, a hundred
0: percent. You want to take away the next one? Moving on. All right. My girlfriend is self-conscious about losing a few cup sizes since getting into fitness, what advice can I give her? We're going to keep this one private.
1: Yeah. No names. It's a really good question though. Cause I think it's, it's hard to go through that sort of phase. If you do have insecurities about your breast size and obviously both Danny and I have implants, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not going to sit here and be like, you do you boo, yeah. like <laughs> preach that for confidence. But I think for the for the boyfriends out there that listen, that have girlfriends, sort of questioning that and comparing themselves to perhaps competitors or other fit out there that do have implants, you know, as a boyfriend, I think just supporting um, your girlfriend in whatever decision she wants to do, and also, mm. you know, confirming to her that it's it's not why you're with her, right? Like yeah. you love her regardless, and you like her regardless of what her physique is with fitness or without fitness. Yeah. What are your sort of opinions on that, Danny?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and as you said, yeah, we're, not, we're here to be authentic and we both got our implants I think within six weeks of each other without really even knowing each other, which was crazy. <laughs> so I did it from a place of wanting them. I don't know, I wasn't really self-conscious, but after my first show when I did lose weight, I went from uh, probably a B cup and then when I put weight back on to an A cup, like it did not come back on my boobs. And I'm like, yeah. you know what, I want to get them. I and Mm -hmm. that was it Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm all for doing things that make you feel good about yourself I'm not going to sit here and say do it I'm not going to sit here and say don't do it but yeah it it really Mm -hmm. depends on the reason in which why you would want something like this and and sort of think about it and and really ask yourself and become self-aware well would this actually make me happy
1: yeah a hundred percent and i'm the same like when i first started running and training and stuff and I lot you initially lose a lot of body fat you know that comes from breast tissue a large majority Mm -hmm. of it so you know we have as females we have more estrogen receptors in those reproductive areas in terms of like lower abdominal hips thighs and that's why we store more body fat there our upper body and what you'll notice is when you get lean or you diet it it comes from our upper body it looks like we just shred up you know yeah. you get veins in your arms and you lose your boobs and your back comes in and that's just because of the estrogen and that sort of hormonal profile so it is something that sort of you will go through if you lose a lot of body fat regardless mm. you know you will lose cup sizes it's where it comes off first and foremost so it's just about like what you said Danny, getting into it for the right reason doing your research being comfortable with it um really asking like will this make you happier because for me, like it was a big confidence booster, you know, mm. being quite um, lower body dominant in terms of muscular size as well. I just wanted to feel a bit more symmetrical. And mm. that was my rationale.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I feel like this topic could be a whole episode in itself, but we'll keep it quite short just for for the nature of this. Um yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, be self-aware and, and be mindful of who you're following on Instagram. Start following maybe, you know, there are amazing natural role models out there. Follow them, really have a think about it. But as a boyfriend, you know, be that supportive guy and, you know, you'll love her either way. So just keep reminding her that as well.
1: Yeah, really well said. Moving on, would you believe in-body scans are very accurate? So Sienna... Domaria. Sinead, Sinead O'Meara. Yep that'll Tined. do. That'll um, have you ever had an in-body scan done or any sort of body fat measurement done?
0: No actually never so that's easy for me just because I don't know why there's no reason I've just never had one so oh, I know you
1: have. That's surprising. Yeah. I don't yeah, know
0: like I wasn't really interested and then with our sport it doesn't really matter like what your numbers are it's just how you look on stage but in hindsight I kind of like wish that I did when I first started
1: to then be able to compare to now but I've never had one mm. yeah and like we said doesn't really matter what matters is what you see in front of the mirror I've had a heap of in body scans done yeah. a gym I used to work Yeah, I used to work at a gym and um, they had the in-body there. So I used to use it all the time. When I was competing, like in my first few years, that was like my main way that I measured stuff, really. I've had DEXs done before and like I've done quite a bit of body fat measurements. But in regards to the in-body scans, you know, there's a lot of them out there and I unfortunately don't think they're very reliable in terms of actually determining body fat percentage and I only say this because there's been times where I've literally jumped on one done it got off five minutes later jump back on and it's been like plus or minus a couple of percent and that's significant hmm, That's significant body yeah. fat percentage change and also like I found my in body scans the other day and I was looking at it one of them read me as seven percent body fat like don't get me wrong I was quite lean but essential body fat seven. for women is is something is is like 10 percent plus mm. so you know and in hindsight if you look at the way that you're measuring progress it doesn't really matter what you're using like if you were using the same scales for example or the same in technician on the same time same um environment like everything's yeah. same same you part of your have-
0: cycle you've gone to the toilet yeah.
1: before same part of the day yeah. like there, the
0: slightest variable like if you had a coffee one day forget it. Your results are different. Like yeah. if you had a little sip of water beforehand, or you did it an hour later, it's going to be different. That's mm. why I don't bother
1: I'll do my head in. Yeah. And that's what I found with um, it's in-body scans in particular, they're heavily influenced by fluid and and mm. water retention and intake. So again, if you're someone who retains a lot of weight and fluid around yourself, it's definitely going to tell that you're heavier Um, and it's probably going to use that actual scale weight to help determine the body fat percentage measurement as well. So take it with a grain of salt. Most definitely there's far better ways to measure. I have had a DEXA scan done before um, at the start of the year and that's supposed to be the most accurate way but obviously they're expensive so you're not going to use that as a main tool to measure progress in the short term you know Mm. like long term i wish i got a dexa done right at the start to see like muscle mass and all those sorts of things that's what i like the scans for not so much body fat but all the other variables Mm. um so that was really interesting but you know more often than not you definitely don't need it you just need like progress photos more often.
0: i've just done photos and measurements the whole time yeah but yeah. yeah again it depends on what you want it for so if you do want it try and reduce every variable like write down everything date time what you've eaten blah 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 time of the mom yeah. yeah all right moving on to a bit of training uh, style questions why shouldn't you do cardio before resistance training so this is from Sherelle, uh, you've <laughs> diane hepburn all right well done well done why shouldn't you Sherelle? let's talk about this because
1: we get this question a lot this is like you know it's a pretty big question a lot of people argue about cardio right around weight training and whether you should do it or shouldn't do it and there's like a bit of research out there that and i think this is where a lot of it comes from that it does dull protein synthesis so how much muscular repair you're going to have after the workout if you do your cardiovascular training around it. But if we're specifically talking about it um, before your resistance training, you know, when you're going in to lift weights, you really want all of that energy and all of your, you know, your carbohydrates and and glycogen stores to go towards lifting that weight with as much intensity as you can. You don't want to go into your sessions pre-fatigued. Cause then there's a higher chance of injury. You won't push
0: as hard. They're very counterintuitive. So personally, if I'm to do, like, when I used to have cardio and then weights in the same session, if I needed to do cardio in the morning, perhaps for a time factor or something, I would make sure I'm well fed, do the cardio, have a break, a couple of hours, few hours, eat again and then train. But that's the only time. Otherwise I don't really do it. I have a big weight session and then I might go for a walk after, or again leave a gap and then do it. So yeah. you don't want to try and do everything
1: uh, all in the one go because it'll, yeah, they'll just counteract for sure. Yeah, and it's really context dependent as well. Like obviously when we do cardio, we're in a fat loss phase, um, so we're already in a calorie deficit. So we want majority of our carbohydrates and like our nutrients to go towards our our weight training and protein synthesis. synthesis blah, blah, blah. you know, building that muscle tissue. So we try to separate cardio if we have to do it. But if you're in a maintenance phase, right, and you're, or you're in a surplus, you know, it's probably not going to um, impact you as negatively. And it also depends on probably how much you're doing. So for example, I used to ride my bike to the gym, five, 10 minutes. Mm. Some people would be like, that's a lot of, you know, that's cardio. I used to have better sessions when I did that. Because I would get in there, I've had blood flow through my joints, I feel good, you know, it's a bit of a little bit of a warm up. Um, It's not so much that it's going to take away from my training sessions. So context does matter and depends Mm. on what you classify as cardio. I don't classify steps as cardio. So if you're walking, like walking to the gym, it's not going to impact. If you're doing high intensity interval training on a fan bike, it's probably going to impact.
0: Yeah. And it also depends on what kind of athlete you are, whether it's sport related and, and a majority of your sport does require running and sprinting and stopping and tackling. So again, context dependent, but from a muscle preservation point of view, not ideal.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, moving on, how important are ab exercises to get a toned stomach? This is from Boshra underscore L. All right, we're on to it. So, it is
0: true and I don't want to say it, but I am going to say it abs are made in the kitchen no matter who you are. <laughs> That's just how it is. They're they're made That's in the true. kitchen because we all have abdominal muscles. It's just a matter of how much body fat is covering them. So, mm. you can do 10,000 crunches, it's still not going to give you defined abs if your diet mm. if you don't have that amount of body fat percentage. So, yeah they're not important to get a toned stomach but they core and ab exercises are so important for everyday life injury prevention being able to push harder in your other exercises they should be a fundamental to everyone's training and everyone's
1: daily activation work hands down Mm. Yeah. So, you know, your diet will determine your body fat percentage and your body fat percentage will determine how visible your abdominal muscles are. Everyone has a six pack. Everyone has a six pack. If you didn't, you wouldn't be able to stand up. You'd fold over like a noodle. So, you know, you're going to have core muscles there. How to see them is is really just by dieting down. Over time, you know, the more that you get into training, um, you, you tend to distribute your body fat a bit more favorably. And this comes down to losing visceral body fat, which is around your abdomen. So through good diet, nutrition, food sources, all those sorts of things, you can sort of redistribute body fat and therefore perhaps have a bit of a leaner, more athletic appearance. But again, that's vastly... Um, related to lifestyle changes Mm. and I just need to shed light on what people
0: think abs are because they're actually depending on what you want to count between 12 to 18 core muscles including your glutes any muscle Mm. that creates a solid base for you to stand up as you mentioned and walk around and bend and move that is your core so it's not just the front six-pack muscles so a lot of people try and train Abs, quote unquote, just by doing so many crunches or leg lifts, leg lowers. However, you've got a higher chance of back pain or getting really tight hip flexors because if Mm. you're lying on the ground, for example, and you're swinging your legs up and down. That's a hip flexor exercise. You're not actually really working your core just because of the way our mechanics are. So I know that they can be boring, but your front planks, side planks, and all of those type exercises, or the McGill curl up as well, they will always be so much better than your scissor kicks and and where you're flailing your legs around you have to include the kicks. Yeah. That's just a great way to work your hip flexors. So yeah. Um, and if you want to challenge yourself on planks, you can add a small leg lift and just change the stability, do it on a ball to entertain yourself a little bit, but we really need to change the way that we train our core, uh, and, and steer away from the bicycle crunches and all that. They are just causing so much more harm than good. that's my little rant
1: core is so boring to train when you're doing it properly you know and it it really should be sort of boring it shouldn't be all this fancy shit you know like keep it really basic but don't do it because you think you're going to get defined abs that's the most important thing is like train your core for you know warm-ups and activation and injury prevention um, and stability purposes and to strengthen those movements and to build that foundation but don't train don't do your scissor kicks or you know your crunches or and I used to, used to stand there yeah, with we like all. weight and like do this weird thing try and build my obliques and then you get lean yeah. and you're like oh okay they're actually pretty developed and this yeah. is why it sort of frustrates me a little bit when people are like yeah better not lift heavy it's going to make me thick and it's like this is like such it's confusing it's mm-hmm. like no our training doesn't thicken our waist the same mm-hmm. as like you can't train to build those muscles so to speak like it's it's um it comes vastly down oh 99 really? de- genetics do you know I have quite developed obliques like when I get lean I've got yeah you do actually
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and everyone's like what exercise do you do and I'm like none like none i don't i mean, yeah. i can't even remember the last time i've done an oblique exercise but mm. every time i lift a weight you know my core's firing and it's bracing it doesn't mean that that's what's making it thick right like it yeah. just comes down to and having thick muscle bellies, yeah, because
0: you do get some people naturally whose waistline is not—it doesn't sort of curve in; it's a bit thicker, and they might, you know, not deadlift as much or, or all of that because you, you do need a solid midsection when you're doing really heavy work. But you'll mm. kind of know based on your shape already. You're not just going to mm. miraculously change your whole way that you look, so you're kind of mm. already. Improve. So it's really dependent, individual,
1: yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. So All moving right. on this one, what do you wish, yeah, what do you wish you knew before you began training? And this is from Gemma.
0: Gemma, thank
1: you. All right. So
0: sort of continuing on from what we just spoke about, build those solid foundations so that's what I wish I did. I went, as I've spoken about, just because it's been my biggest teacher, uh, straight log on to Instagram, right, I'm going to do all this fancy stuff, get the bars happening, this, that, didn't really know what I was mm. doing. I wish I put in the time that I put have to put in now to get the foundations super, super solid. I would have prevented a lot of injury in the past. I would have um, fast-tracked where I am now if I had not missed the foundations
1: yeah like exercise selection is really important it's really important but there's really like only a list of exercises that you need to do you don't mm. need to do all these fancy like side lying leg press weird belt oh, squat yeah. like you know it's all these things like you we're not you know reinventing the wheel of biomechanics you mm. know there's only a few key movements that you need to do and all this accessory fluffy stuff in terms of like throwing a belt on and doing some weird sumo squat, it's not necessary. Get on a leg press. Like there's other more efficient ways to do things. And that's something I wish I knew right from the start. Cause you're like, oh, this looks good. Of course it looks good. It's gonna get a million saves and therefore reaches, Yeah, it's sexy because the engagement. angle's right up
0: under the butt. Like, and then <laughs> oh you know, we can talk like this because we've done it. Like I when I was <laughs> for the stage, I was hanging hanging off the bar doing my leg lifts and that because it looked mint but it wasn't the exercise that gave me the abs like but no. yeah we, we we've been down that path where we like your sex selves and and certain exercises mm. look sexy so people think oh it must work well no mm-hmm. we put in the work and now we're just doing that because we look lean and want <laughs> videos of ourselves
1: like yeah yeah um I was, what was I doing the other day? I was like on a leg press and I was like, this is like the most unflattering exercise, like pushing yourself really hard on a leg press, right? You're leaning forward, like crunching, like I've got like a vein in my forehead, like growing <laughs> onto something. But, you know, how much sexier is it when you position yourself on the side and put your leg up nice and high and and get a good glute stretch and just not have to use (laughs) it? So, um, (laughs) you know, that's something I wish I knew is like, the, yeah exercise selection is really important but it doesn't have to be changing all the time it doesn't have to be hard you know what i mean you should be able to put yourself in setups and positions and machines and just move without thinking too much mm. um hard being as in the movement being really
0: complicated like you still want to push hard yeah you just to clear that up yeah for sure
1: and tempo um, what about that charal when did you start using tempo um Probably paying attention to it, probably twelve months ago, eighteen months okay. ago, really paying attention to it, and including different sorts of things. I mean, mm. always, um, always appreciating the, you know, slow and controlled on the way down, explosive on the way up, but really playing with tempo only in the last twelve-ish months. Yeah, um, but I think up. everyone, everyone needs to appreciate you know, being able to do a normal 3010 slow, smooth and controlled on the way down, explosive on the way up before they really start implementing other sort of tempo things. Mm. And I think everyone knows to do that, but it's more so actually understanding the rationale behind it. Well, you know what? Most people don't know to do that, to be honest, like
0: tempo, because a lot of people don't actually even know what tempo is. So just slowing down. So you mentioned 3010. So three seconds on the first part of the movement for the three, zero for a pause and then one on the way up. But you can literally have any tempo. So you could have three seconds down, three second pause, Mm. three seconds up. And it is brilliant for when you're starting out, but for the rest of our training career, because you really get to learn the movement. Because if we're just Mm. rushing through our reps and being explosive, your knees might cave in, your back might arch, or you might swing a little bit. And you don't actually get to learn the movement pattern well and become strong Mm. in all phases. And the burn is next level. I love it. It's hard. Mm. It takes discipline because you have to really be present in the movement. But tempo, everyone should be training slow. Unless you're like a shooter or you need an explosive movement then. But, yeah, everyone should have some sort of tempo work in their training program.
1: Yeah, and it's a really good way to um to progress your exercises and add that progressive overload. So mm. adding pauses, um, adding different sorts of rest periods, like you know, really controlling that that eccentric in a different second. And there's a really good um phrase that I wanted to look up. So have you heard of the slow is smooth, smooth is fast?
0: Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was on like, I was on like, I don't even know a piece of equipment. And you know, when you add, just add that too much and you're sort of like, yeah, it's too much. So the first thing that usually compromises is that tempo. Like you right. can't control it as much, you know, the eccentric takes so much work. And when that starts to slow down too much in those last few reps, that's when, you know, you're getting pretty close to failure. And that's yeah. a good way to gauge where your intensity is at. Um, but if you're rushing through it, like, think of that slow is smooth smooth is fast so you really want to control things down so that you're not rushing through the movement and just like moving the weight because there's yep. a difference between like lifting the weight and controlling it and then just like shifting the weight and moving it from a to b yeah yeah sure who's boss
0: all right yeah. moving on i'll read one out oh good i'm glad i'm reading this one this is my jam all right would you suggest stopping weight training for someone with lower back pain Thank you for the question, Emma Rose underscore Bishop. Now, I get this question every, every, every day because people have back pain and that's not fun. Like a lot of people have back pain. Then they might go to a GP and the GP doesn't, you know, they do what GPs do and this is no disrespect. It's just, you know, perhaps not their niche in, in functional movement in order to cure pain. And then they might say, oh, maybe you should stop those deadlifts that you've been doing. And then the person freaks out and gets upset and feels like they don't have anything to live for anymore and it's a depressing time, you know. So that's so common and and something that I'm very passionate to stop because our body is so good at getting used to what we're doing. And if we all of a sudden start doing nothing, as in no lifting, no moving, and we rest, the body gets used to doing nothing. So then it makes it even harder to function well let alone get back into the gym. By stopping weight training, that is probably the worst thing you could do for lower back pain. We want to just make sure that you are still training, but training in a way that's not going to re-aggravate the pain in the first place. So if you're training with perfect technique, there is no reason why you should have back pain. When it does come to back pain, what I normally do in clinic, you find out, all right, Where's the person's strengths and where are their weaknesses? Now, a lot of people have the sore backs because their back is really strong. It's not actually weak. It's working harder than so many other muscles around it, the core muscles, the glutes. It's going to get pissed off because it's working so damn hard. So then what we need to do is reframe it. All right, build up everything else. Keep training. Find out what you can do. Have a bit of fun with it. Get really strong and stop doing the movement patterns that pissed it off in the first place. So that is my long-winded way of saying we must continue to train to cure our pain. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme. That's my new one there. What was it? Continue? Continue to train to remove your pain. (laughs) Yes. Boom. Fucking logo. Um, There you go. I
1: I don't know why people go to a GP for back pain. We don't, people don't know any better, man.
0: Like you think something's yeah. wrong with me. I'm going to go to the doctor.
1: It's old yeah, story. no. That's <laughs> I always say like GPs are referral points. They are. That's what they're there for. They're, they're script pads and referral points. Yeah. You know, they're not your psychologists. They're not your physios. They're not like, they're referral points and script, and script pads, mm. you know. And and that's the truth. That's not like what you said. No disrespect. That's what no. they're there for. So, yeah. you know, that they have a um, obligation to refer out uh, to the specialty that someone needs. But, you know, rest assured, like, you know, like what Danny said, movement is always medicine. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've experienced my own long journey of back pain um, for a long period of time. And, you know, even in myself, I can testament that movement is medicine in being like, well, you need to fix out what fix up what's wrong for, yep. and sitting down is like the worst thing. If mm. you're having a back flare up, go for a walk. Mm. Like that used to make me feel so much better. A brisk walk, no phone in your hands, like get your arms going, yep. you know, brisk walk to help get blood flow and movement and the hips going and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Press what's going on, um, figure out, you know, and sometimes, you know, I had a really incredible mentor and I remember when I was getting back pain and flare ups from deadlifts and I'd be like, oh, no, they're not. And he'd be like, actually, like going into the gym and seeing what what feels good and bad is a really good time when you're having a flare-up, like to be more oh, aware shit, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is really good, and, you know, slowly and surely. But if you're not proactive in this sort of stuff, you know, you are going to go around in circles. It's yeah. hard work sort of rehabbing. It's hard work, like regressing so you can progress. It's frustrating. It's time-consuming, but, you know, pick what's hard pick your battles for sure
0: if I get someone who comes to me and says I have trouble deadlifting the first thing I do is have a look at their deadlift pattern I don't say oh we're not going to do this that comes with confidence so find someone who can assess the movements that hurt you you get pain on a Mm. squat get your professional to have a look at you squatting to find out what's going on and go from there Ask for help because always
1: a movement pattern is trained yep Mm. good
0: one all right let's go
1: to the next one Please explain what the different comp categories mean from Emma Fitz. Really good question. So Danny's done a bit of homework on here. so take it away.
0: Yeah, the old copy and paste from the website. That's how I used to do my homework <laughs> too. The so we jump straight onto the WBFF criteria because that's what we're going to talk about here because that is our jam. Oh, and I miss it so much. We have WBFF Bikini Diva, which is what Cheryl and I have competed in. So... Bikini divas are judged upon their overall beauty, body shape, symmetry, and tone. The attention Mm -hmm. is focused on the beauty of their face, figure, physical fitness, and confidence. It's important to present yourself in a classy, feminine, and tasteful way that's also marketable. And there is another round for the evening wear, where you wear a beautiful gown at the end. So it's really, it's more of your beauty pageant style, thing so it doesn't mean that you don't you know have to work hard in the gym and and you just sort of rock up like you still have to have tone and shape and symmetry mm-hmm. um but it's, it's very much about marketability and and sort of more your victoria's mm-hmm. secret type
1: category yeah and i think um you know we'll stay we'll talk about australia and in, in terms of like australia how yeah. you know what bikini is like in australia it is next level like the the <laughs> quality the quality of athletes wbff australia it is next level all you got to do is is just look at some of the high level pros and be like far out you know it's not bikini diva and that um even that um that little script there gives it no justice to it does, the quality does it actually not nah. It's hard freaking work and it's basically, there's a very fine line between bikini and fitness. It usually comes down to the level of leanness, but yeah. more often than not, the level of leanness is different from person to person and how lean someone has to get to meet yeah. that criteria. For someone yeah. like me, I have to get a lot leaner or spend more time in a deficit. For someone else, it might be building a little bit, whereas with yeah. fitness, you're very much marked on, um, you know, your symmetry and whatnot as well. So- there's a very fine line obviously dania and i are in um bikini Mm -hmm. but you know there is that sort of um as you 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 train you go through more muscular development as your training age continues and therefore you sort of can um move up to the other categories if you wish to do that if you wish to lower your body fat percentage more and and, um transition but
0: or if you can i'll never be able to change my i just don't think i'll be able to change my body enough to go to wellness, which we'll talk about now. So
1: this is your journey, Sherelle. What's coming up for you, baby? Well, I want to challenge you on that. I don't Whoa. know. I don't like that sentence. I'll never be able to change. It's very fixed, Danny. Oh, fuck. you've got me. All <laughs> right. Let me reword. I love you so
0: much. And this is why normally I do this to you. So now nah, about time you got me back. Bit of coaching from Sherelle. Thank you. I'll never be able to change. That is very fixed. Right now. I don't, think i will no nah, oh I fuck i don't know i'm not gonna dance around it i just don't think i'm gonna be able to fit wellness or bikini um fitness i don't know i just don't think i'll get enough muscular development you could if you it? wanted to all right yeah okay i don't i choose not to yeah that's
1: better i love it's choice
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know and
1: i i <laughs> It's funny, like, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Like, when I had the Dexa done at the start of the year, he, he told me I had enough muscle development for figure of what he normally reads. The figure? And I, I laughed at him and I said, what? And he said, no, you've got the bone structure and enough muscle mass to go into figure. And it made me think categories are really by perception a lot of the time as well. You know, yeah. when you see someone gets on stage, how small are figure competitors in real life? They're tiny, actually. Right? Like you're right. i was sort of like... It made me really think about what are the requirements? What are the physiological requirements? Obviously, there's people that are more suited to different categories based off where they are and their starting point. You've also got to consider that, like, you know, how long you've been training for. And this is why a lot of people start in bikini is because you're not marked on symmetry, muscular size, and as well as getting lean enough for fitness and figure is really hard work. So it is Next level commitment, time commitment, dedication, um, and everything else that comes with it as well mentally. So there's big difference. That sort of and to me, like I would never want to push myself to fitness or figure. Maybe fitness one day. I'd never want to push myself to figure. It's too much hard work. So you weigh up between yourself of like what your how hard you willing to go, what level you sort of. I'm gonna challenge you back now. I wouldn't grade it based on hard work
0: i think that's a big stereotype like i understand what well, you maybe mean. not hard work amount like, of leanness because well, we like, work fucking hard to get our pro um card like i've never yeah. worked harder in my life i think yeah. that's what you're trying to say extremes? So generally, like
1: extremes yeah mm. like the
0: water the, like all right we'll talk about the categories and then we'll how about that so yeah you know, bikini and then wellness do you want to talk about wellness Yeah. I actually haven't read the description.
1: So the look, the look of a fuller, lower body physique, the contestants should not be overly developed, muscularly or overly lean. Instead, the focus is on shape and tone. The body should be free of muscle separation and an overly lean look that is unnatural. Tightness and tone of the skin should be smooth and healthy in appearance. Overall beauty and marketability is also judging is also a judging condition of this category. So, you know the way I've sort of perceived this new wellness division. And for those who don't know, it's new as of mm. 2021. It'll be, I guess, in Australia. From my understanding, it's between fitness and bikini, like yep. a little bit more muscular size, a little bit more fuller lower body in the um, which it says there, but not as lean as fitness so yep. you can see how it's really grey in, mm. in like you know crossing the marks and we're not going to know i'm just calling it my category
0: <laughs> yeah i reckon you would be 100 because you've got a real full lower delicious lower body um so i think it'll be good to <laughs> only take- you can call it delicious right uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll take that with a badge of honor yeah so i really think that you would suit wellness for sure so it's going to be exciting with this new category because there is that line between you're not bikini, but you're not as lean or muscularly developed for fitness. This is a beautiful category to fit in the middle. So it's exciting. Yeah. All right. And Finger. then... Um, the, oh, no, I yeah, skipped the-, the whole thing. Oh, sorry. What? what? I skipped the skip? whole section.
1: I skipped fitness. Yeah, straight to figure. <laughs> yeah, so um, fitness. Do you want to read out the fitness one?
0: Yeah, so fitness is for those competitors who display more muscle tone and definition than those in bikini and wellness without carrying as much muscle or definition of that, of a figure competitor. So a little bit more lean than wellness, a little bit more muscle, but not as much as figure. This is a cool category because they get to wear theme wear and it's mint, like Mm -hmm. Vegas Showgirls, Carnival, Victoria's Secret, Wings. I love watching the figure, um, the fitness, I don't know why I keep calling it that, the fitness category in there. Theme wear as well so it's
1: really cool to see yeah it's a really awesome um show when they on the night round when they come out and all the theme wear because yeah. it really is an opportunity to showcase your personality i know i, I don't like the evening wear dress round. it's, don't it's you? so tired um, no, that's I don't, that's it's the, the one time of the night. year I, it's the only time of the year i wear a dress i swear to god <laughs> is that evening wear? <laughs> um, but yeah i wish we got theme wear
0: yeah, but it's kind of good because you know how you can have your food in between. Like when you know that the the dress is going on, you don't let yourself go, but you're not as concerned if you have a little bit of bloating because you got your dress yeah. on. Like, yeah. not that it's a ticket yeah. out, oh, my dress, I'm going to just eat all the pizza that's upstairs. It's like, well,
1: no, but it's kind of nice to be like, get to put the dress on now and, and all of that. Yeah yeah because you're not you, it's really just presentations and awards and your dress. you're not so much judged right? whereas obviously in the theme round if you're wearing like some yeah. wings and stuff you're going to be judged on your physique as well how you mm. carry yourself
0: yeah you get, to um, get
1: creative all right figure yeah. take it away cheryl so the diva figure model category is for competitors who carry more muscle and definition than the diva bikini or fitness or wellness mm-hmm. we'll at the extreme muscles of a physique competitor um so in the the WBFF, they don't have physique. It's more of that's body, that's traditional bodybuilding, that's female bodybuilding oh, that's that you, you see in the like, oh. like, BB stage. Yep. They don't have that in the WBFF. And that's, I guess, one of the main difference between WBFF and traditional bodybuilding is that it's very much not just about your muscle mass, right? Yeah. Like physique's very much how big are you it's like get as big as you can and as lean as you can that's what bodybuilding really is so WFF is really different but bigger is um I want to say like what we not hard work but one of the most hardest looks to um to capture or to create or to get to you're very lean and muscular
0: very Very, loading like
1: all that sort of stuff Yeah. It's, it's super extreme and you wouldn't just start competing and being like, I'm going to enter, you know, up for my no first way. one more often than not, you'd, you'd, if you've got that, you know, muscle mass and whatever, you can go into fitness easily, but mm. you know, to get to that figure, um, body fat percentage, and to really stand out on stage, you've got to have a lot of training experience under your belt. There is absolutely no room for error in macros. It yeah. is to the gram, mm. it's absolutely to the gram. Like yeah. what Dani said, there's sodium and fluid and water manipulation as well as like, you know, probably peak week protocols come into this as well. And more often than not, there's, you know, performance enhancing drugs involved because yeah. it's hard to get to those extreme levels in an untested Federation naturally. So that's a big thing to consider is who you're going up against. But yeah, as you can see, I guess the bikini, you know, is, and I don't like saying it's like the entry level, but it's, it's one of the easier looks to attain. And I don't know what terminology to use because it's not easy but it's, what would you say? Like, it's not- It's just it's a fuller look.
0: It's Yeah, it's definitely hard work, but you can get away with having a little bit more body fat than higher up or the, the higher categories. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's still hard, but you don't have to completely deplete yourself because you're not judged on that. It's more marketability
1: mm. and, and overall stage presence that you're judged yeah. on yeah in bikini you can still have a life you can still have a meal out once a week if you're tracking it you can still have a bit more variability in what you're doing but when it comes to figure like what we said there's absolutely no room for error in anything you do it's a lot more extreme and harder to to get to definitely Mm. not sustainable ever whereas bikini look for some people is quite sustainable
0: yeah it depends yeah yeah for sure all right the males so there's men's fitness And they are to display an athletic and defined physique without holding as much muscle as a muscle model competitor. So there's men's fitness and then there's muscle model. So muscle model is to have a little bit more muscle and shape than fitness, but not as much as, again, like the bodybuilder look. So both Mm. are judged on marketability as well. Um, but it's not your like IFBB Arnold Schwarzenegger look, but yeah. it is still judged based on how much muscle you have, and they get yeah. to wear boots at the at the end. I'm yes,
1: like- I love the suit round. Fresh always Ugh. rocks it. What a when legend. he comes out, yeah, absolute legend. Uh, but I don't, the girls definitely um, run the WBFF. You know, there's yeah. like amazing, there's amazing um, physiques of guys in there. Don't get me. Me wrong, but there's so many more girls just because mm. it does have that community feel and that more um, beauty component to it. But I guess what you see now in the fitness space in terms of males is even with the IFBB, it used to be the biggest on the stage. I'd get grossly big, grossly lean, like, and it was really traditional bodybuilding, right? Whereas the WBFF is very different. And mm. you're even seeing that shift with IFBB, with the classic. Um, men's classic physique sort of coming in rewarding that more um, you know classic natural sort of physique not Mm. being so big in the waist or whatnot really Mm. having that shape about them so that's what i love about the boys when they come out you know there's some really good wbff male pros and they have so much charisma and personality on stage there's such a pleasure to watch
0: oh so good so good Mm. and then there's another very special category in the wbff Transformation and this is just so inspiring. This category, uh, Mm. it's really there to recognize the struggles that someone has experienced on their path to success so, physical, mental, emotional, or life changing journey. And it's Mm. described and very well said to rarely leave a dry eye in the house. Like some of these stories Mm. are insane, you know, they've come from illness or loss or trauma, overcoming addiction, or they've lost so much weight and it's a really powerful and inspiring category it's
1: great yeah mm. and i remember um going to the sydney show and watching some of them and they have on the um the screens like they usually have like a presentation to go with it to show their transformation or their story of what they've been through and like you said danny a lot of the time it's you know significant um illness or um disease or you know huge weight loss like mm. 50 kilos and it's it's so inspiring to watch because then you think you're like far out like yeah everyone has it tough and everyone struggles but then you see these stories and you're like you're just so inspired you're like I can do it too then like there's no reason why I can't push hard through prep it's incredible yeah amazing all right let's move on hey Yep. So jumping into some uh, nutrition questions now. So I'm an ectomorph. Uh, Should it be a cycle of bulking and cutting or just one big bulk, then a cut? And this is from Risa.S. Risa.S. so when we look at body types, you know, there's three main ones that um, they look at and there's an ectomorph, which is what she's describing herself as. And they generally be uh, what they would term in bodybuilding as hard gainers, you know, really struggle to put on body weight or build any muscle mass. Then we've got mesomorphs, which tend to be more of like an athletic appearance a normal frame, I guess, Muscular look. thick muscle, but yeah, thick muscle bellies. Um, and then you've got an endomorph and they're generally described as people that struggle with their body weight um, over time or body fat, I should say. But they can usually build muscle quite easily as well. Um, Mm. The most important thing is when you... And these are very, you know, it's up in the air. jury's still out whether these things are actually real or not because more often than not, you can be a bleed between a couple. Like if I had to guess off my characteristics, I would be a mesomorph cross an endomorph. You know, I'm sort of... I easily um i maintain quite athletic but i'm definitely not lean all year round but i can get lean you know i'm definitely not an ectomorph (laughs) yeah definitely not don't don't struggle so you know what's your sort of thoughts on um the stomata types or the body types
0: for sure. This definitely comes down to your genetics and what your parents are and, and all of that. I've explored this a little further. I used to be convinced that I was a mesomorph just because I wanted to be, yeah, I'm mesomorph, I'm muscular, I'm easy to do this and that. But then exploring further, I think I'm actually more of an endomorph because I can gain very easily both muscle and body fat uh, and can store it sort of more around my stomach. I've noticed and then sort of looking at family, we, we have the similar traits, but yeah. you can jump from one to the other based on your lifestyle factors. You might be mm. an endomorph, but then still adhere to your training and diet plan and, and then look like a mesomorph, or you can even look like an ectomorph who's leaner mm. and doesn't put on weight. So we do have our genetic makeup, but then lifestyle factors can allow you to move from one to the other appearance-wise for sure. Yeah so to answer the question of being an ectomorph should it be a cycle of bulking cutting or just one big bulk and then cut ask yourself what your goals are is your mm. goal to gain muscle and i think it is based on the question well
1: i just i just don't like the terms bulking and cutting at yeah. all for someone who's like who struggles is a hard gainer something that i it's really important because it's really important to know what your habits are around it. So for people like probably myself and Danny, I think I can speak on your behalf as well. When we get stressed, we perhaps reach for the ice cream. Whereas when other people get stressed, they don't eat, they lose their appetite. So for some people, they might think that they're actually eating a certain amount, but if they're consistently tracking that calorie, those calories, tracking their maintenance calories over a long enough period of time, you know, if you don't track for a day, do you significantly under eat? Is your weekly average therefore not what you think it is? So it's about really assessing where your situation is at. And then if that's the case, you know, committing to like a five to a 10% surplus and consistently eating at that and monitoring Mm. your trends and your progress and your training as well, making sure that you're applying progressive overload to actually grow the muscle um that's probably a good place to start like you don't have to go into a huge surplus and gain a huge amount of body fat because you can grow muscle at maintenance assuming you're eating there consistently so that's the big thing is like maintenance calories everyone has one it doesn't mean that you need to go into a bulk you just need to be consistently eating at that maintenance for a long enough period of time
0: yeah very good because as an ectomorph or someone who struggles to put on muscle if you eat a whole bunch of calories it's not going to be muscle that comes on. It's going to be more body fat because your body naturally finds it harder to build muscle. So as you said, Sherelle, you're better off having that five or 10% calorie surplus and just gaining muscle accordingly. Yeah, it wouldn't work well for anyone. I feel like- I feel like all of us shouldn't do, quote, unquote, a dirty bulk or or put all that no. fat on because then it makes it harder. You have to lose it. You, you develop bigger fat cells in the body and it just it becomes a mess. Mm. Your lang- internal yeah. dialogue changes. You start dropping your habits. It's just a mess. Keep things calculated
1: yeah. uh, and then, yeah, slow increases for sure. Yeah. And there's a difference between gaining weight and gaining that like there's, don't don't get so lost in like the building like oh, i'm just trying to increase weight like yes the weight will increase but like look in the mirror like what's your body doing are you gaining Mm. muscle and losing body fat which you can do simultaneously you can go through a recomping phase so Mm. you know it's more important to like yes if you're building at least at maintenance is what i would say you can grow muscle in a calorie deficit you can definitely do that it's not ideal but you can do it but for someone that's like um Obviously, um, like Reese is here, who struggles to build muscle, definitely being at that maintenance and pushing your training, yeah. you know, like making sure that you're giving your body a stimulus to grow. That is usually often the underrated variable in this case If, like, if you're not growing, why not? Are you not giving your body, like, maybe it's not nothing to do with the, the fuel that you're giving it. Maybe it's, you know, your training stimulus or your programming.
0: Yeah, maybe you're doing a whole, a lot of cardio and then not really um, eating that back type thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah a few things in that. Sweet. Mm. All right. Moving on to Christy Malone, Post Malone's uh, relative. Thoughts on too much protein is bad theory. Mm, oh, that yeah. old chestnut. Every time I go to the dentist, well, not like, yeah. And they're like oh do you drink protein shakes it's gonna the dentist and this and that i'm like relax i'm just clean my teeth and and that's it yeah so a lot of people love saying protein is bad for your kidneys for for all of this but that's been proven that that's not true unless you have some underlying illness already um Mm. you know too much protein is not bad too much Mm. saturated fats and sugars is so much worse. So if people like, you know, I don't wanna to eat too much
1: protein, yet they go
0: and eat all other crap. That's so much worse. You know? Yeah. Anyway, I'm the
1: passionate. devil it yeah. The devil is always in the dose. Like too much mm-hmm. of anything, like huge amounts, is probably not a good thing. Too but, much broccoli. exactly that gave me digestive issues but when you look at um when you look at the literature you know i think the the theory behind the protein being bad is protein in the body is a big molecule and a nephron which is in our kidney that filters stuff they sort of had that belief that oh well the nephron can't filter the protein and therefore we get renal um failure or renal Mm. disease Mm. so unless you're you know have diagnosed renal failure or disease and therefore, are on dialysis. Yeah. You have no issues. They've done research um, up to four grams per kilo, kilo kilogram of body weight. You know, do the math there. If you're a fifty kilo that's 200 grams of protein that you could eat every day and it's proven to be um to be completely safe and fine so you know high protein is not bad but those calories definitely could be reallocated um to something more beneficial like carbohydrates and fats that actually have performance um advantages or hormonal advantages so yeah it's good. not enough when it's bad it also comes down to personal preference so for mm-hmm. example i love protein and yeah. i eat 150 grams every day mm-hmm. um, i don't change that when i diet or when i build it just stays the same because my protein consumption is ingrained in my habits mm-hmm. in how i choose my food sources and how i um, space my meals out so but when you look at the research that's actually not even that high in comparison to what's yeah what some people do so i think um, people were led to believe that they had to eat a lot of protein so where there's a there's a recommendation of 1.6 to 2.5 grams per kilogram of body weight and that's a big variable so you've got wiggle room in there as well
0: yeah proteins the best like if yes there are certain amounts of protein that you should have per serve sort of about 30 grams of protein um, yep. give or take per meal just to keep that protein synthesis consistent you don't want to have like all your protein in the morning and then nothing for the end of the day space it out well it's also very useful if you are in a calorie deficit to stay fuller rather than carbs so if i'm dieting my protein generally goes a little bit higher just to keep me Mm. fuller rather than having a whole bunch of carbs um, or fats Mm. but again Mm. similar to you it stays pretty consistent but
1: yeah all about Mm.
0: eating the protein for sure
1: Yeah, and they sort of – they've done studies that um, anything – like about a minimum of three protein servings throughout the day is ideal – they did it on like intimate fasting studies or yeah. whatever. If you had like 120 grams of protein in one meal, or if you space that across three, which gave you higher levels of protein synthesis. And it did yeah. come down to the more frequency of meals, but that's when it went the other way. And it was like, oh, six small meals every day. You know, it's like, as long as you're sort of having about three, two, six meals, spacing yeah. it out appropriately. And it's about, I think it's 04 grams per kilogram of body weight per meal if you want to get really nitty gritty but for majority of people that falls in between 20 to 30 grams per serving
0: yeah yeah so like 100 grams of meat or something like that
1: yeah yeah if
0: you're
1: you're not a big meat eater i could see how um you know it could be hard to get in a lot of protein because i'm a big meat eater so it's never difficult for me to get protein in it's yeah. it, and especially when you eat a lot of starches you know you get um you, you build up a lot through you know your potatoes and stuff like is like that but you know that's why i like to keep it a bit higher higher because they don't have um, the complete amino acid profile anyways but it's yeah. good to know that if you do struggle you can sit down on the lower end and still be fine
0: yeah yeah so for people who don't eat meat just make sure you're supplementing with leucine the most important Mm. amino acid for protein synthesis to start the chain reaction. If you're having supplements, look on the back and see if it's got leucine. But if you're eating Mm. a lot of plant-based proteins as well, it's really beneficial to supplement with leucine.
1: Yes, if you're not eating meat. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the protein powders have them in it added now as well, which is great. Lucky last. What are a few nutritional choices you've made that have upped your nutritional gain? Alfie, a pillow. Whatever. El Filippo. i yep. just
0: try and make all the names really sexy. El Filippo. <laughs> all From right. Stacey. Just make it simple. <laughs> all right. I'll take it away. So definitely meal timing. Absolute game changer for me, uh, particularly around my workouts. I want to be yeah. fueled. I want to be fed before my workout with enough time in between to digest, probably about an hour. Go train my heart out and then eat after, and then I'm a happy Danny. That's
1: been a game changer for me. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so simple, but so easy definitely like you know hitting your calories and then hitting and then learning how to hit your macros that's the foundation of what you need to know for your nutrition like starting like nothing else matters if you're not doing those sorts of things um but then definitely experimenting like what you said danny with um meal timing and food sources as well so Mm. there's an interesting theory about what keeps you satiated so you know how you spoke about the protein that's definitely up there but they've also shown that um your what's there's like a satiating scale so for some people they'll have foods that satiate them more than Mm. others for me for example i can eat rice cakes forever But if I eat potatoes, they keep me more satiated than something else. The same as eggs. Eggs keep me really satiated. So figuring out what food sources work best for me has been a big one. You know, I love fish. I wouldn't call myself a pescatarian, but I'm pretty well up there. I don't like a lot of red meat. So figuring out like, again, preference and habits and how that can fit those foundational pillars as well has been really big. Not getting stuck to something you know, just like exercise, not being like I have to eat this way or I should have this.
0: Yeah, and that definitely comes with experience and then being able to take yourself through that trial and error, not only by yourself but then with help from other people. So, yeah, finding out what works for you and your lifestyle at that given point in time. So something that might've worked two years ago wouldn't work for me now because I've changed. I do different things with my life. So as you sort of mentioned, yeah, it's not to be stuck to something. So find out what works best for you. Pay attention to which foods feel good in your gut as well. Mm. If something bloats you, um, which now I've worked out. And even after talking to when we had Luke Tulloch on talking about the artificial sweeteners, my favorite kombucha... Which I fell in love with. If I have too much,
1: now it bloats me, and it's almost turned me off. And I'm like, no. But anyway, that's my little does it, first world does problem. it have does it have artificial sweeteners in it or of course is it, it does. The-
0: anything that says low sugar on the front or even though oh I discovered um, sugar free marshmallows don't do it don't no, do they're it
1: horrible. Oh, yeah no nah. um I cut out added artificial sweeteners and stuff at the start of the year because I was having so much digestive issues with there's, oh, there's one that's really cheap and it's in sugar-free lollies and coil and shit like that it destroys my gut so Destroy- yeah that might be one of them there's mm. a couple of them they're the real cheap ones it's always in the cheap and nasty the one I can tolerate is stevia that one's okay it's natural plant-based more often than not yeah, um, but yeah artificial sweeteners is a big one for me they make me hungry um they bloat mm. me they do lots of bad stuff so fodmaps and inflammatory foods because you're not what you eat you are what you digest and that's really important to yeah. understand it's like when you're building up your calories you know it doesn't matter how if you're bloated all the time that's not beneficial so it's yeah. about readdressing you know the carbohydrate sorts source, sources you know the best ones are the ones that you digest easily and that is True. usually Those Asian vegetables, like low water sort of type stuff, spinach and zucchini, bok choy, asparagus, you know, Mm. whereas huge amounts of broccoli or cauliflower and those FOD mappy foods, they're the ones that can give you that GI distress if you eat too many.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also, which I've mentioned in other episodes because it blew my mind on how well it worked and it sounds silly, chewing your food. Mate, game. Changer. when I was fully present <laughs> who, would have thought? who would have thought instead of guzzling it down and onto the next task yeah. like be have a moment with your meal just have a little moment where you just slow down it's just you and the meal and you enjoy every bite and you chew it oh yeah hundreds of times and then you swallow
1: it it's just yeah. game changer Yeah, a hundred percent. And we have enzymes in our saliva that when we chew and salivate, they help break down our food. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to understand that our digestive system isn't just our intestines or our, you know, our gut. It starts from our nose and our mouth um, and even our eyes, right? Like looking at food, preparing your body and your mind for the food, really chewing, slowing it down, having some water with it, spacing your meals out. Yeah, it's really really important to understand. Some that.
0: people have said not to have water with it. So I don't know because my not Chinese medicine water. practitioner oh yeah, said to have a warm liquid with it. So yeah. not cold, not water. cold,
1: warm and, and yummy. Yeah, yeah. like foam. Yeah, wow. so they even say that um you know when you're exercising you shouldn't be drinking on cold water because our body has to actually heat up the water before it can absorb it and i think that's the theory behind the chinese um medicine stuff is drinking warm water they all do it i remember in hospital you know if i'd be looking after a chinese family or something i'd get a jug of water and i'd always naturally we're australian fill it up for ice. you know give them a jug of ice and they'd be like no and i'd (laughs) have to go and throw it out and get warm water you know but we just always have this this um this thirst to quench with cold crisp stuff it's Is an it? australian there must be yeah,
0: yeah. It's gotta yeah. embody more of the um the asian way of eating like yeah i
1: know yeah I and know. it comes down to like teas when you're having digestive issues like having something warm it, like tracks mm. more blood flow to the digestive system and usually helps your body churn through that so it's yeah. Really important yeah awesome cool. well that's all the questions that we've got for today so yeah if um you know if we answered your question or if you got something from this episode uh take a screenshot tag myself tag danielle and of course tag the level up podcast
0: thank you everyone and keep the questions coming always love these ones it's a little bit of everything it's like a lucky dip of what we're gonna get and then we can just talk very random stuff so thanks everyone i love it thanks guys